So again, part of the God is Just Like Jesus book. And um, if you need a book, email me at chris at godisjustlikejesus.com. All right, I'm gonna look at a different aspect of this. I'm gonna read these right quick again. Mark 10, 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. So I'm, I'm going to take that, that passage and in part one we looked at Jesus's warmth with the children and tenderness, even amidst how busy he was uh, in his most dynamic life. But look at this one part right here where it says, but the disciples rebuked them and when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and then he talks to them. So take just a moment and think on your own, what were the disciples doing and why? And if you're in a group, discuss it or journal it. Um, hit pause and then come back. Okay. Hopefully you did that. Again, so important. Um, what did you come up with for why the disciples are trying to run off the, the children? I mean, what's motivating them? And the only thing I can come up with so far and post things on the website or our God is Just Like Jesus Facebook page, if you have ideas, um, you know, it's possibly the disciples just look at Jesus like any other adult in their lives and think, hey, he's too busy, right? The, Her the followers of Herod are not paying attention to little children. They're, you know, doing Herod's business and running the kingdom and doing all of the wild things that they did uh, as Herodians, right? The Pharisees weren't engaging with little children. Uh, and so they might have looked at him and said, hey, Jesus is too busy. You know, he's got lots going on. And they may have just thought, he doesn't need it. He doesn't want it. We're going to run him off. Now, that's my conjecture. And I just want to say, that's the only thing I can come up with. If you have a better idea, let me know. Working with that, it's really interesting, Jesus's response. Now, remember, in day two, we looked at his response for them in sin, arguing who's the greatest, right? And he's just patient instruction. But here he gets a little bit more hot. It says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now, that's fascinating because if you look up words for indignance um, in a dictionary, something like that, you're going to find words like hacked off, uh, upset, uh, fuming, angry, irritated. I mean, there's some energy on it. It's not passive. And it's important to realize what that word indignant means because he's upset about it. Now, get ready to pause again for a second. Talk about how Jesus responds to the disciples, right? Think to yourself for a minute, what does he not do and what does he do relative to the disciples running the children off? And then contrast that to uh, like someone that had been really legalistic or um, 
had a different image of God. I mean, Jesus' image of the Father, it was just awesome. But think of a Pharisee who had a different image of God or a Herodian. How could they have uh, reacted to the disciples if they were upset about this situation, right? So hit pause, talk about how Jesus responds to the disciples and how other people could have, and then come back. Okay, I love this passage because Jesus is intense and he is upset, but you'll notice he said to them, he speaks to them and he instructs them. He says, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And then he talks to them about people that enter the kingdom of heaven, they're like little children. And Jesus refuses to accuse the disciples. He doesn't beat them up. He doesn't tear them down. He doesn't condemn them. You know, oh, you know, I can't believe you did that. He doesn't pull the, man, I am so disappointed in you guys. Really? He doesn't do any of those like unclean motivational techniques that really I think of the enemy is using. What he does is even though he's hot and he's indignant, he takes the intensity and he patiently instructs them. And he tells them the similarities between those who are engaging with the kingdom and these children. And he really instructs them. Now, he also bumps it up a little. There's correction in there. And it's important to realize that. But it's correction without rejection. He, he doesn't get upset with Peter and blow it like, um, you know, someone with bad emotional habits could do and just say, Peter, you're not the number one disciple anymore. Or he could say, Peter, you know, you're fine to be the number one disciple, but I don't want to be that close to you. Or he could just quietly kind of punish him or James or John or Matthew or any of those guys. He doesn't do any of that. He uses the intensity to instruct and correct but no rejection. The, the relationship is intact. So important to realize that the way Jesus deals with them and with us is clean. So in other parts uh, uh, on the website, you'll find I've written about the subject of clean anger as opposed to unclean anger. I would call this right here clean correction. Um, Jesus knows how to get angry in other situations in the Bible, and he does it in a clean way that brings intense change to people and points them in the right direction. He doesn't get in angry in a way that he's tearing people down or trying to destroy them or trying to condemn them. And often we read his words that way because we don't really know his character. So this series is trying to help us wrestle with what's his character like so we can really understand what the Bible says when we're looking at Jesus's words. And most of us have, like myself, enough dysfunctional background where anger is at least the hardest thing for us to understand. But anyway, I digress. In this passage, he gets indignant but it's correction without rejection. And, and you can see that he remains close with his disciples positionally and personally. So if we take the, the John 14, 9, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, then that means if Jesus corrects without rejection, that means the Father corrects us when we're sinning or failing without rejection. He corrects us so that we can grow. 
He corrects us to build us up instead of tear us down. And man, when you get your mind around that, all of a sudden you go, this is significant. I am starting to view God radically different than I have before. The other thing is the worship without music section. Take this off in your prayer time. Again, however you worship God and just translate that into worship statements or journaling or art and say, you know, again, in your own words, this is just my, my words. Lord, I, you know, the disciples are confused. They're, they're doing stuff that, that, is, that is not what you want. And you instruct them, even if it's with intensity, and you correct them, but it's not, you're not rejecting them. They're still with you. I love the fact that you know how to correct them and yet keep them close and that you cared about them. That means when I fail, you're correcting me and keeping me close. So I, actually, I can grow instead of be pushed away from you. That's your goal. I love that about you. Help me raise my own children that way. Help me if I'm in the work world. You know, you got to challenge people in the work world and uh, do it with correction without rejection.